obliterate uh, the persons, uh, that is, we just uh, assume and amalgamate the work of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit into one and don't really see their personal identities, which I think would, would be a shame because that's who God is, and he reveals himself wonderfully as those. And we just sort of obliterate the persons, one. But another side, and I think this is a particular danger for me as I teach, and I want to teach clearly, is that we don't so separate the persons that we understand God as three gods. And so um, there's uh, one of the church fathers, Gregory of Nazianzus, if you want to look at it later, he said very helpfully, when I think of the one God, I think of the three persons. When I think of the three persons, I think of the one God, for they're all the same. When I think of the one, I have to think of the three. When I th- if, if your thoughts start drifting in the idea that there are three gods, no, one God and one God who is the same. And I think this book is very helpful for understanding what that God is like. But our task this morning is to think about the person of the Son, the second person of the Trinity, and how he helps us in our prayers. Now, we're going to be going through different parts of the Bible. If you want a Bible in front of you, I'd really encourage that, but you're going to have to have fast thumbs, okay? Or fast fingers on your phone, um, uh, but the verses will appear on screen. But, as always, you should always check what the preacher is saying. So that's why I put the verses down on your outline, so you can go home and check is that really what is being said? Um, and it'll just because we're going through at pace, that will help you as well. Let's get underway. I wonder if you have ever been somewhere really exclusive. Did you have to dress up for it? Black tie, white tie? Let me tell you about the time I once went to stay with the Queen of England, Elizabeth II, at Sandringham. Her 20,000-acre estate, it's in... Uh, Norfolk, a grade two listed building. You can see it behind me. Sandringham was where the late Queen used to spend Christmas and New Year with her family, with her husband, the late Prince Philip, uh, her son, are now King Charles, her grandsons, the princes Harry and William. And I was there for that New Year. And New Year's Day morning, it was a bright, glorious morning, a bit like this morning, the sun was out. And the guns were out, for this was the Queen's annual famous shoot on the Sandringham Estate. And we could hear as we woke up the shotguns firing, whether it partridges or pheasants, I don't know. But William and Harry were there, and all the royalty. Now, when I say that I stayed with the Queen, technically, it wasn't actually with the Queen. Technically. And when I say it was with the Duke of Edinburgh, well... I didn't actually see him. And when I say I stayed at Sandringham, well, I was on the estate, but I was at a house about a mile away. But, but I was on the estate, and I was there. My friend brought me on, signed his name in and my name in next to the guest book. And I was really there for that special moment. Christmas with the Queen, New Year with the Princes, the 20,000-acre estate. Have you been anywhere exclusive like that? Well, do you know what? It doesn't really matter. But actually, you and I, for a Christian, have been brought into somewhere far more exclusive, far more amazing. For you and I, through the Lord Jesus, have been brought into the throne room of God in heaven forever. That's quite hard to understand, isn't it? For all we've ever known is earth. 
But you and I, through Jesus, have been brought to the very throne room of God. And we can access the Lord now through prayer. See, what my friend did in signing me into the estate is a bit like what the son does. Through him, we can approach God as father. If you like, Jesus uses his name to bring us into heaven. So if you're taking notes, we're on to point one on our outline. Knowing the Trinity and our prayers, different persons, but united in their work. And we learned last week, uh, that if, you, if you're with us, the Father receives our prayers. Because the Father is the provider. He is good, he is generous, he is the one who gives every good thing. And when we pray to the Father, the Son works. When we pray, the Son works to make sure our prayers are heard in heaven and that they're effective and answered. So you'll remember that our aim over this winter series is to know God, and through knowing him better, it's to grow in our relationship with him. And I hope that one of the outcomes is that we are more faithful and bold and confident in bringing our needs and requests and prayers to him. And we spent some time thinking and coming to terms with the fact that God is one. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord, is one. For the one God, we remember, is tri-personal. One God in three persons. It's how we get the word Trinity. And so we can think of the works of each person distinctly. We can think of each person and their works distinctly and we know this don't we we know this for it wasn't the father who died on the cross was it no it was the son we can think of that work as being distinct to the son we can think of then each person and their works distinctly likewise it wasn't uh, the spirit who was baptized but it was the son we know that the person and each of their works is distinct don't we we know that But we need to remember, at the same time, remember the three, we're to think of the one. There is only one God, and the works that God does are one. They're never divided, and they're always united. So if we think again to uh, the idea of uh, Jesus dying on the cross, that was completely united with the work of redemption that the Father and the Spirit were involved in. You can't separate the Son's work at that point from what the Father and the Spirit are. One work, the work of redemption, the plan to save. So though the Son was doing something distinct, it was not different. And that's not semantics. We can talk about that later. And it's very important that we understand that all three persons are working together in one way for one God, you see. One God. And like we saw, or like we know in the plan of redemption, the Father willing what the Son wills. It's very important when we come to understand our prayers. For we learned last week that the Father, being the Father, loves to hear and answer our prayers. And the Son, being the Son, loves to bring our prayers to be heard. For the Father and the Son, distinct but united in the work and working together for our good when we pray. If you like, they do the same work, but not in the same way. And knowing this, knowing this is very helpful, encouraging, important. For when we pray, we know that our prayers are effective. 
the Son is bringing them to the Father. As John Chapman, if you know him, once said, you can never pray a wasted prayer. For this is the work of the Son. He makes your prayers heard. Point two, the Son is the mediator of God's work. Everything happens through him. In fact, we might say that without the Son, you and I can't pray. Without the Son, our prayers cannot be heard. That's because nothing happens without the Son. Any work of God is brought about by Jesus. And this is the case with all God's work. And I've highlighted some of those on your talk outline. The Son's work has always been to mediate, to make happen the work of God. So, for example, in creation, in creation, God's work of creation was carried out through the Son. So John chapter 1, verse 3, through him, the Son, all things were made, and without him, nothing was made that has been made. So we could say from pole to pole, from Mount Kilimanjaro to Mount Kenya, from Marubra to Melbourne, all things were made through the sun. Nothing was made, could have been made without the sun. Everything happens through the sun. That's the point. Or what about in the giving of scripture? God speaks in the Bible through the sun. Listen to this, Luke 1, 70, or Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. God speaks through the Son. Or John chapter 12. Jesus says, What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. And that, that verse, John 12, verse 50, What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me, is very helpful because the Father has told the Son what to say. Do you see that the, the work of God is united, but the persons are different? Or again, three, nothing happens without the Son. What about ruling the cosmos? God rules through his Son. Philippians 2, verse 10. God gave Jesus the name above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. To see, God the Father gave Jesus the name. God rules through his Son. What about point four? Judgment happens through the Son. John 5, 22. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. Or Acts 10, 42. The Son is appointed by God to be judge of living and the dead. Again, do you see? The Father does the work through the Son. Everything happens through the Son. And we know salvation also through the Son. John 3, chapter 17. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world should be saved through him. It's why everyone needs to come to know Jesus, for there's no other name. There's no other name in heaven on an earth by which we all need to be saved. So do you get the point? Everything happens. Everything happens through the Son. Nothing happens without the Son. All that God does happens through Jesus. And so it makes sense, doesn't it? As we understand our prayers, our prayers are effective also through the Son. So point number three, we pray to the Father through the Son. And so this is what the Bible tells us, that we can pray to God directly through the Son, through the one who made the world, through the one who has all power and all rule, through him we're praying. And it means that because of that, our prayers, every, every arrow prayer, every prayer at night on your pillow, every time you gather in a group, every worried, anxious cry of desperation you pray to God, it's heard 
it's effective. And it's heard and effective because of who Jesus is and what he has done. So first, because of who Jesus is, because Jesus is our perfect priest. We learnt in our Bible reading, Hebrews 5, that Jesus is our perfect priest. He was the one who was appointed to intercede on our behalf. He would be the one to pray and bring our prayers to God. So listen to this, Hebrews 5, verse 7 again. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who is able to save from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Jesus was heard because of his reverence, his obedience. Jesus lived the perfect life. And so Jesus is the perfect priest, eminently qualified. He's unique. No one else is like him. And so no one else can help you pray, not Mary, not saints, not special beads, not ritual, nor religion, not our obedience even, nor our lack of obedience. No, no one is perfect like Jesus. Everything happens through him. That's why only Jesus is qualified to bring our prayers. Only Jesus can bring our prayers to God because it depends on him. Do you see? It depends on him. And that is thoroughly good news. Because if it depends on him, who doesn't it depend on to make our prayers effective? If it depends on him, who doesn't it depend on? It doesn't depend on me. Who's glad about that? Well, I am certainly. Our, our double-mindedness, our uh, selfishness, maybe with our motives, our, well, we just can't know the big picture. We don't know quite what to ask for sometimes. Well, if we ask for this, will it be for our good? Well, no, it doesn't depend on us. It depends on him. Thoroughly good news that all our prayers happen through Jesus. And yet, though they happen through him, it's not like we're outside here and Jesus just takes them, leaves us on the outside, and he goes into the Father himself. No, listen to what Jesus says in John 16. Jesus said, we really can pray through Jesus, yet at the same time, directly to the Father. Listen to this, John 16, 26. You will ask in my name, and I do not say I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you. It's a bit like when, again, I was on that estate, Sandringham, did I mention 20,000 acres, Norfolk, beautiful It's a bit like when I entered through the gates, it was my friend who had to sign his name next to my name in the guest book. But then it really was me who entered. I was really there. And it's a bit like that with through Jesus. It's through him and only through him that we can get to God. But nevertheless, we really are there ourselves. Jesus says it's not that he's just the go-between. No, he really does bring us to God. So here's the first thing to say. We have confidence to enter and pray because Jesus is our perfect high priest. But second, we have confidence because of what Jesus has done. Jesus has offered the perfect sacrifice. So we can have confidence because of Jesus and on our own, we have no confidence. That's actually because on our own, on our own, without Jesus, our prayers would not be heard because of our sin. In fact, The Bible says our prayers would actually be offensive to God. Listen to this, Isaiah chapter 1, 
Sorry, uh, we'll turn to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. The Bible says consistently that we were all created by God. And so, if you like, if you remember last week, because he's our creator, it's like we all have him as our father. But because of our sin, what we've done is rejected our father. And if you like, we've all by nature chosen another father figure to follow, the devil. That's what the Bible says. So John 8, a new father figure to follow. It's why on our own, in our sin, we cannot pray. Listen to this, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 15. Uh, God said to the people there, when you spread out your, your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Shocking, isn't it? Can you imagine God just turning off his blessing because of our sin? That's what the Bible says. Each of us by nature are like. So when we, I don't know if you've ever heard uh, you've been walking past a mosque at the time they've been having prayers and the cry goes out and people, people bow down and pray. That, that should really chill our hearts and cause us to cry out to God because without Jesus, any prayer is offensive because we pray from our sinfulness. It's why our hearts should go out to the millions, the billions who are calling out to a God that they don't know. And why all of us must be concerned about the lost, that they know Jesus. If you're not a Christian here, we're so thrilled that you're here with us because each of us know that on our own we are desperate. We're not better, we're desperate. And we need to know God through what Jesus has done. And what has Jesus done? Well, again, listen to how the Bible, that passage from Ephesians chapter 2, continues... But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Three questions to ask. What has God done? Answer, loved us. Second, how has he loved us? Answer, made us alive with Christ. Third, where are you now? Answer, seated with Christ in heaven. That's where you are spiritually. What's your address? Somewhere in Maribra. But we actually have another address if you're Christian. Where are you? Seated with Christ, where? In heaven. No longer offensive, but through him brought into the most holy place. How has he done this? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 continues, But now in Christ Jesus, you and me, who are once far off, have been brought near. How? By the blood of Christ. Jesus, the mediator of salvation, is the mediator of our prayers. Christ died for sins, 1 Peter 3.18, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. And if you're Christian, trusting in the blood of Jesus... That's where you are now, with God in heaven, seated with him. See, how easy is it to talk to the person next to you? Quite easy. 
how easy is it to talk to the Father? Just as easy. That's mind-blowing, isn't it? That's mind-blowing. We can warm our hearts as we just try and wrap our heads around what Christ has done. So the hymn gets it right, doesn't it? To God be the glory, great things he has done, so loved he the world that he gave us his Son, who yielded his life an atonement for sin, and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory for great things he has done. But wait, there's more. For not only does Jesus bring us to the Father, but point four, Jesus himself prays for us. Jesus prays for us. And Jesus the Son prays for individuals. What's your name? Jesus knows. But Jesus prays for individuals by name. Luke 22. Jesus spoke to Peter saying, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Imagine being Peter. Imagine hearing those words. Imagine being Peter a few hours, a day or two, a few days later, and knowing that you had sinned and recalling Jesus' words, the Lord, the Lord who rose from the dead, saying, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Just imagine the comfort that was for Peter to approach his Lord, knowing that he really did have a relationship guaranteed by the Son. Jesus prays for individuals. Second, Jesus the Son prayed for all believers. John 17, in the upper, uh, upper room, the night before he died, Jesus prayed that not only the twelve, but all people would know the Father. He said as to the Father, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for them only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. What does Jesus pray? He prays for all those who believe in him. So let me ask you another question. Do you believe? Have you put your trust in the Son? Jesus has already prayed that you would be one with him and the Father. I find that so encouraging, don't you? Don't you, as you battle on your own, as you struggle with that temptation again and again, Jesus has prayed for you as your priest, guaranteed it by his sacrifice. And third, not only has Jesus prayed for you, but Jesus the Son continues to pray for you. Now in heaven, Romans 8.34, who is to condemn? Jesus is the one who died, more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. He's there, he's praying for us. He's no longer sacrificing himself again, but because of what he has done, he pleads for the Father 
for us. Again, 1 John chapter 2, we get the idea. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Jesus prays for us. Or Hebrews 7, 25, Jesus always lives and intercedes for those who draw near to God through him. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is there interceding for those who draw near to God through him. So as we draw near, as we draw near, when we pray, what is happening in heaven? As we draw near, Jesus is with us, praying prayers with us, praying our prayers with us to the Father. For remember, nothing happens unless it happens through the Son. The Son helps our prayers. So to sum up, what have we been learning? Is Well, isn't this amazing? And we're going to sing in a moment, giving God the glory for what he has done. Isn't this amazing? So, so many powerful reasons to give thanks to God and be encouraged in our prayers. And of course, the mark of hearing this will be renewed faithfulness. It'd be easy, again, I said last week, to come and think we've learned some facts about the Trinity, but we need to be people who change. Will we become more bold, more confident, more faithful in prayer? Well, we can be confident because the triune God, the triune God is working together, Father, Son, and Spirit helping us in our prayers. Confidence because it's the Son the Son, the Lord of heaven, who makes our prayers effective. He's our priest, guaranteeing a hearing. Confidence, because he offered the perfect sacrifice. It doesn't depend on us. Our sin, our mixed motives, our double-heartedness, it depends on him. And confidence, because, because as we approach the Father, so the Son is with us, praying with us, praying for us. And it means that we can pray and pray confidently. Let's bow our heads and do that now. Our Father, thank you so much for your generosity, your great love, your rich mercy, that we should be adopted and called your children. Thank you for the work of your son, Jesus, our great high priest, who died offering himself that perfect sacrifice to bring us close to you. Thank you for his work. He brings our prayers to you now and always. Please grow our love and trust in you as we grow to know you better. And we pray all these things through him. Amen. We've had some significant and amazing things, haven't we? Uh, and before we move on, I just want to hold us there. For a moment and just help and guide us to respond. And the way I want to do that is to help us to, to write down some kind of reflection or question or something that stood out for you through our Connect card. So if you're a technology person with a phone, grab your phone out and you can scan the QR code on your outline. That would be really helpful. If you're a pen and paper person, you can try to find a Connect card around. I just want to give you a moment just to have a think about and write down what have you heard? How will you respond? How will you think or pray as you've heard God's word this morning?
Uh, if you're new, this is a great place for you to leave your details. We'd love to get in touch with you and welcome you well and properly to Wild Street. Uh, it's also a place where you can ask questions, prayer points, things like that. I was going to give you a moment to do that. Terry's going to play a bit of music while you reflect and write something down, and then we're going to sing our final song. <laughs>